I would like to acknowledge the Gurungai people and pay my respects to the elders both past and present. The Gurungai people are the traditional owners of this land where we meet today. Many of us find ourselves caught in the whirlwind of life, always racing towards the next goal, seldom pausing to reflect. I'm Karen Sander, your host, and I am thrilled to have an inspiring guest on the podcast today. It's first time author, Elizabeth Jane. Elizabeth spent many years as a full-time mother of four and a wife who lived a very blessed life. Then there was a defining moment when she experienced a sudden realisation that she had lost her way. Welcome to Sharing Stories, Changing Lives. The host, Karen Sander, has the privilege of interviewing individuals from all walks of life, each with their own powerful and inspiring stories. The guests share their life experiences, and in doing so, they celebrate the transformative magic of storytelling. To learn more, visit www.thestoryroom.au and explore the private membership area, the Backstage Pass. This awakening propelled her on a profound journey of reflection, discovery and personal growth as she sought and found her true passion and purpose in life. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks, Karen, for having me here today. Yes. This is your first podcast you've ever been on. Yes, and I'm, I'm very nervous, I'm, I must admit, because I haven't done this sort of thing before at all. So um, very new. <laughs> well, you're absolutely going to love it, so don't worry. So I want to ask you a few questions about yourself and, and reflecting on the journey that you have been on. How did your background and your early experiences in life shape the person you became before your current passion and purpose? Well, I think, Karen, that I'd spend a lot of my time and energy focusing on keeping everyone happy and trying to meet their needs and keep the peace, I think. You know, I was the eldest child. I had a younger sister and... um, I was always looking for the approval of my parents and, you know, bringing back, you know, A pluses at school and doing well at sport. I was a bit of a perfectionist and then I went to school and tried to keep the teachers happy and then fast forward I went into a marriage and, um, yes, so that was was my early days and uh, I just really wasn't good at speaking up about problems and... um, things that bothered me at all. Uh, I just sort of kept to myself. In career choices after you left school, what did you actually do? So when I left school, um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and because I hadn't really felt into what I needed, I suppose it was the point of it. I, I, um, I knew that I enjoyed uplifting people and helping people Um, But my parents encouraged me to do a business degree. So I went into Melbourne Uni and did a commerce degree. And retrospect, that was great because it's really given me a great basis for where I'm at today with with what I'm doing. I did not enjoy accounting, I must say. You know, auditing was quite not me, (laughs) auditing companies. And so I went and did primary school teaching. So as I was sort of finding myself that I really did enjoy helping others and um, and I got a lot of joy out of that with teaching. 
So teaching was before you were married or after? After I was married um, and it was um, before the children. It was a wonderful escape from the accounting side, which liquidating companies and auditing companies was just didn't didn't really work for me. It actually takes a special type of person to actually be able to do accounting or um, that sort of bookwork and paperwork and numbers. And I'm definitely not one of those people. But teaching, in contrast, did it help you to sort of tap in a little bit to your creative side? Uh, yes, I, th- I think that's when I was I was starting to find myself definitely, Karen. It was um, I really enjoyed um, you know painting with the children. You know when I had the chance, and because it was primary, I, I could have done secondary education because of my chartered accounting. It would have been easier, but I think I like I quite enjoyed playing with the children and being a child. So, yes, it's definitely opening up my creative side of me. The question I have now about passion is sort of a two-part question, but discovering and following your passion, it's really a transformative journey. And what set you on the journey to leaving your married life and the journey to rediscover you? It takes me back to the year of 2017 when, without much warning, there were a, a couple of things that took place. Um, one being, of course, the demise of the marriage, which came as a, a complete shock to me. I really didn't know. I went into a spin, you know, I was in shock and then went through grief and anger and how could this happen to me and victim mentality yeah. and all that sort of thing. And then also um, the other thing was that I was doing workshops um, during the year, self-development workshops, health and wellness, and that culminated in a, a retreat at the end of the workshops at the end of the year, which took me on my first trip for me. So I had that was really an eye-opening. That, that was my realisation that I'd lost me in the marriage under the roles of wife and mother, mm. and this was this was going to be my first trip that I'd actually chosen, that I was actually going on, not for the children, not with my parents, not with my husband. Um, why was I going? It was going? I was going for me. And that was the, the eye-opening moment where I realised I really I had to find me. <laughs> I had to find me again, I think. Yeah, so a real role of discovery. But was there a particular pivotal moment that you realised that this shift in your life needed to happen? Was it the end of the marriage? Yes, it was It was definitely the end of the marriage because my children were um, the, the youngest were the twins and they had done their final year. So I had four adult children flying the coop and I no longer had the role as, you know, as their mother, you know, their, their caring mother and because um, they were living away and doing their own thing. Um, and then I also was no no husband. So it was um, it was it was it was a scary moment actually, Karen. It was just like, whoa, what happens now? <laughs> how do I how do I? Well, I was just about to ask you, 
oh yeah, 25 married and 30 together, you know, 29 together. I sort of imagine you, you mentioned it was scary. There's all sorts of th- things like fear, maybe abandonment. Like what other emotions came into it? Like sadness? Oh, I, I just felt totally helpless and hopeless and totally, yeah. well, well, I went through feeling totally discarded. So initially, Karen, I must say, I didn't behave very well and I was out partying thinking, well, someone will love me. <laughs> and I, well, that's a natural thing. I have, yes, I think, a lot, I think a lot of my friends went through that stage, you know, male or female, where, you know, you sort of, you know, you sort of just want to put that aside, the trauma of that aside, and you, you get busy being busy or um, busy partying mm. or um, busy distracting yourself in any way to yeah. take you away from the pain you're feeling. And it's that whole feeling of rejection, isn't it? Like, you know, why why am I not wanted? Yes, yeah, and especially if you're sort of not expecting it. You know, I felt like saying, did I cook chicken instead of fish or what happened? <laughs> 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 I mean, I would have lived, you know, anywhere in the world but, the great news is, Karen, just now, retrospect, I realised that if he hadn't sort of got the whip out, I wouldn't have found me. So if we hadn't, if I hadn't gone through this whole traumatic period, I would never have um, been on my uh, yellow brick road, on my transformational journey. And so I really have my ex-husband to thank for kick-starting me on the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful in hindsight, but, you know, when it's actually happening to you, you know, all those, like, you're just like, why me? And, but retrospect is really wonderful when you come out, because I think I'm a a very much a believer, and I don't know if you are, that life life gives you what you need. Mm -hmm. And at any one time, it's giving you what you need. And, And even though it doesn't feel like that at the time, it, it is often a gift. Yes, yes. No, I think that's exactly right. You know, those obstacles are opportunities if we um, know how to, to take them and utilise them as opportunities, you know, to grow. So you've written this wonderful book, Free and First, Unlocking the Ultimate Life, but what obstacles, you know, we all have obstacles and challenges in our life. Could you share um, an obstacle that you faced in getting to the point of really finding you and writing the book? The biggest obstacle was trying to cope with all the emotions that were going through me at the time, which, you know, the, the period of the divorce was quite elongated. It was, you know, five years. Um, and but during that time, it gave me a lot of time to journal. So my my journaling really helped me. And I was journaling, and then I was writing notes in my phone, and then I and <laughs> trying trying to anything to help me feel good because you know the champagne only works for so long, <laughs> and I was looking for something that was workable and that would help lift me out of the trauma I was in 
And I, as I was writing the notes in my phone and journaling, um, organically grew my book because I was sharing my ideas of how to feel good to my my kids and to my friends. And um, so, yes, the, the book just sort of grew from there. Well, I guess that um, dealing with the tough days, is journaling the way you manage that mostly or are there, were there other things that you also did besides journaling? Because days can be really dark. The things that work for me, I, which I detail in my book, Free and First, but the things that worked for me were in the really dark, dark days, as you referred to, Karen, was that I would always just go, okay, whatever I've got on today, I'm just going to do what I need to do and then I'm going to put myself first and follow a joy, whether that's eating chocolate ice cream or (laughs) ringing a friend just, you know, on the darkest days, I wouldn't expect too much of myself. I wouldn't judge myself. I would nurture myself. No, I just mm. hop in the bath. I have been in baths for a couple of hours, I must admit. You know, I'd mm-hmm. light the candles and put the bubbles on and I would just soak in a bath. Um, mm-hmm. And I did start writing notes on my phone for the book in my bath, actually. Um, but other other things is I would always try and stay in the now, which I, that's a really big tool that I learnt is when I could just get out of my mind about fatalising about the future or um, regretting about the past, I felt that I was much more empowered and my energy wasn't being drained with my negative thoughts as much. So staying in the now, that's how I would be um, when I was in my creative side, when I was writing or painting, then I couldn't be in in my negative voice, you know, in, in my ne- in my negative thinking. That whole catastrophizing or fatalizing, as you put it, is very, very easy. Sometimes it's our number one go-to and also mm-hmm. reflecting, as you referred to, you know, it's we all reflect and, and we all catastrophize, some of us more than others. But living in the now is sometimes really difficult. Have you got any one trick or something that helps you live in the now? Yes, well, what I realised is we have so many thoughts that run through our head and when we're not feeling good, I believe we know we're not we're not in the now. So if you're not mm-hmm. feeling good, you're either thinking negative about the future or the past. When we're in the, in the present, so like to come back, so that's the first trigger. I go, hey, I'm not feeling good. Oops, I must be either in the, the future or the past. And so I bring myself back into the now by, okay, I might be driving. I'll go, well, I'm actually going to look at how many colours I can see. Yeah. You know, I've, been, I've done this automatic driving sometimes. You know, you be in your car and you go, how did I get here? Whoa. And that's really um, not being mindful. That's the opposite to being mindful. If I was driving, I'd go, okay, I'm feeling yucky at the moment. I'm not feeling good. I must be in my mind. Um, I'm going to come back and take some deep breaths, deep breathing, and I'm going to look at the colours around me and 
be in the moment with my driving so I don't end up totally where I want to, you know, so I can get to where I want to be. If you're interested in getting more involved in our community, connecting with people who share your interests, you can do this by visiting our website at www.thestoryroom.au. That whole internalising, blaming yourself, looking in at your past, looking and fatalising or catastrophizing in the future is such an unhealthy habit. And I love that you mentioned breathing. How do you find breathing helps you? If we are focusing on our breathing, because there are so many tools, but breathing is a really good one because we have to be in the present if we're focusing on our breathing because we can't, it's it's something in the now. It's something, you know, we're, and so to, to be breathing in and then gently out, and some people say you should breathe longer out, and I just often think mm-hmm. of letting all all the negativity and all the stress and all the frustration and all my worries being washed into Mother Earth or down the plug hole of the shower. You know, when we're sort of having a shower every morning, we can just think of, you know, flushing our worries away basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. I use my breathing and and I use, you know, being under the shower even, you know. I really like that analogy of washing, breathing it in and washing it down the shower plug hole, you know, like, and you can watch it in your mind, can't you, going down the plug hole? Yes. Or under a waterfall. I've had lots of, you know, different looks. You know, some people imagine themselves, you know, under a teeming waterfall, you know, sort of coming down onto your head and flushing out all that you don't need. Share a little bit about your book, the process of writing your book and how it has contributed to your personal growth and the understanding of your ultimate life. Yes, well, the book, as I said earlier, was was just an organic, um, just came about organically from all the notes that I'd been writing because I'd been doing a lot of yoga and meditation and I been, had been fortunate to be on a few health and wellness retreats in India. Mm-hmm all the notes came about and came into my book uh, and I have a few tools in my book about how to get through any challenges. So the ABC of me is one tool where I talk about acknowledging and allowing our feelings and then feeling our feelings is helping us to work out what we need, you know, and then when we can work out our needs we can actually fulfil those and feel good. It sounds very simple, Mm. but um, it does take perseverance and vulnerability to be in your feelings because I think a lot of people, including myself, don't like to, you know, feelings can be quite yucky and uncomfortable and um, it sometimes seems so much easier just to keep busy or to party. So once I stopped and had time to feel my feelings I'd yeah it was much easier so my book is about that tell us about your painting and your poetry because that is a lot there's a lot in your book which is wonderful I don't know really what came first because I the the children kick-started me on my transformational journey just like 
my ex-husband did, but in a different way because they bought me a voucher to Cork and Canvas, which is a painting class, and mm-hmm. um, I went along to that and had a bit of a giggle drawing of painting a palm tree, and then um, I ended up going into painting classes in 2019, and the painting classes really helped me to keep out of my negative thinking and to focus on something. So I found it really healing with my painting. And the paintings that were coming to me were quite distinct and quite an array of different ideas. And then I found that they were reinforcing, the paintings were reinforcing the tools that I discuss in in my book about how to feel better and and, um, step through challenges more gracefully, let's say. Oh, I like that, stepping through challenges more gracefully. That's yes. a nice way of putting it. And I think yeah. painting and using the visual in your mind's eye and painting is actually very therapeutic. It's like yeah. writing, isn't it? Very much so. Yes. And what about the poetry? Poetry sort of, I was just holding the pen really. I, I, it just came to me and... Um, the poetry is something that I haven't really looked back on my poems. I just, I write, I probably write about a few poems a week. And during the, the, the lockdown, I was writing a lot more. I think just as a, another way, another form of a diary to, to get down how I feel. And because um, to be able to express our feelings is just so important, Karen, I feel, because if we can unleash how we feel, then we can step into what we need and then we can be more authentic. And when we're authentic, I think people see that and we're, we're in, our, in our power. You know, we're in our power. We're not trying to be someone or do something for someone's approval. We're just, we're just free. We're free and... Um, Happy. Well, I was just going to say, though, poetry, journaling and art, painting is a very cheap form of therapy. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have some friends who are really good poets and they poetry slam and they yes. say it's their therapy in life. Yes, yes. And being in nature, we can't forget being in nature because that's a really, that's top of my list too. You know, every day I I definitely am mindful and meditating, whichever form that takes. That could be a walk in a park. It, it, it could be baking a cake. It could be driving from A to B. You could use that as a meditation. Yep. But also being in nature, I think, you know, it's all those feel-good vibes of being in, you know, near the sea or in a park. That's free as well. Anything that's free, especially in our very expensive life, <laughs> At the moment, our you know, we, we live in one of the most expensive countries in the in the world. But going out and looking at nature is free. Writing a poem is free. Writing down your thoughts yeah. and journaling, it is free. But if there was a roadmap to reflecting on life and finding your passion and purpose, mm-hmm. can you just give us some simple points for that roadmap? If I had known what I know now, um, when I was in my deepest, darkest place, I would have loved it because you don't, you can't really. I I couldn't have handled too much, you know. When you're in that place, you just don't want a profuse lot of um, 
ideas thrown at you because you, you're just not ready for them. But I think the most important thing is if, when someone's in a really dark place, I'd, I'll just always tell them to, to take baby steps and take baby steps towards you, what brings you joy. As I saw on a children's book recently, the title of a children's book, when things are not going right, go left. And I thought it was, <laughs> I love it. And it's I really clever. And it was just a few days ago and I, I took a photo of the front cover and it had a little child and had the bags packed and looking at this right, left signpost <laughs> when things aren't going right go left <laughs> so I think something as simple as that you know just need to you know whether it's dancing or skipping or doing something silly just to you know when you're in your deepest darkest place you know choosing choice points of choosing things that make you feel good rather than the things that don't make you feel good you know you've always got choice mm. You've always got choice, yeah. So being in the now, being in the in the in the present, stops us being in our thoughts, and following our joy. I think would be the two fundamental things. Putting ourselves first is another way of following our joy because we don't like following our joy. We think, oh gosh, no, I should be doing this. I should be really doing that. But sometimes we mm. do have to put ourselves first. Like the air stewards yeah. say on the plane, you know, put your mask on first before you help others. And I think, you know, you can't, I can't be helping, we can't be helping others before we've helped ourselves first. That's what I feel. Yeah, exactly. Look, I think another one, then people are scared to do this. or No, we're told don't go out and get wet, it's raining. But going and dancing in the rain, especially if it's yeah. not a thunderstorm in, in summer, but to go out when it's just raining and it's warm yes. and to dance in the rain, it's yes. it's another part of being in nature, isn't it, and just experience yes. and the water on you and, you know, it's wonderful when you're in the ocean and you're swimming in the rain. It's just beautiful. Yes. yes. I think what you've, you've already told us a lot about what's transformed your life. Would you share one of the poems that you've written in your book, Free and First? Oh, certainly, Karen. This is my book. Here. This was a really early poem that came to me because most of my poems came through in the flurry of, you know, in the middle of the night actually. So I'd always have my phone beside me and um, and it's sort of t- talking about how to to get away from the noise, not only from our, our people's negative thoughts within them but also the, well, the matrix of the, the, the noise of other people's negative thoughts. Um, So it's called my rocket ship. Uh I have boarded my rocket ship. I have the controls. The drag is incredible at the start. Pulling me down into the mire, fear tugs at my tail. I want to bring a lot of passengers with me, but many have fear. I must respect their own free will. I peer through the peephole on life. It is glistening, magical. I am free. The gravitational pull of Maya and fear is no longer. I soar to the heavens. (laughs) Ah, beautiful poem. I, I, yeah, and you know, wanting to take people with you, but you know, their own fear. 
is really mm-hmm. stopping them. But oh, I love it. And thank you for sharing a poem. <laughs> Your book is really lovely. You know, it's laid out beautifully. And thank you for sharing it with me. I've been reading it at night before I go to bed. And I see so many benefits for people in reading it. You've got some great strategies there. And I love your artwork, especially the cover. It's absolutely beautiful. You must feel really great. How did you feel when you got your first copies of your book? Oh, a bit in awe, really. It was just to actually feel the copies and to actually hand one to each of my adult children and lots of tears, lots of tears with um, loved ones that were hanging out for my book. (laughs) When can we have a copy of your book? And I hadn't actually given my children the copy and um, because I just just wanted to do it all all in organic, you know, all at the one time. It's out there now. (laughs) People can check you out on elizabethjane.com.au. Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining us. It's been a really wonderful chat. Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for having me. A huge thanks to Elizabeth for allowing us to learn from her story of self-discovery, putting herself first and unveiling a brand new purpose in life. Want to be in the spotlight or submit your own tale or express your interest in sharing your unique story at the Story Room live events or on the Sharing Stories Changing Lives podcast? Got a favourite story that gives you good vibes? Don't keep it to yourself. Send it our way. I'm Karen Sandy, your host. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to Sharing Stories, Changing Lives. We'd like to invite you to support us by purchasing a backstage pass, costing about the same as two cups of coffee each month. With the backstage pass, you'll gain access to workshops and exclusive content, including videos from our live events. You can do this by visiting our website at www.thestoryroom.au We can continue to show that sharing stories changes lives. 